to Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday week and um, are making great plans for New Year's this year. Today we are talking about Mr. Churchill Says, which was released October 10th, 1969 on the Arthur uh, album by the Kinks. It was the second song on side two, which follows um, Shangri-La which is an epic piece um, that we will talk about eventually. And it's a cool tune because it actually, you know, it's obviously it's about um, sort of Winston Churchill. It directly quotes some of his speeches, but it's really about the sacrifices that British citizens were having to make during the war. Um, You know, like the third line, we got to save our tin and all the garden gates and empty cans are going to make us win. You know, so it's like rations and and things like that are were a reality during Britain during you know the peak of World War II, which is what this song is essentially about. But what's cool about it is that he actually name checks a lot of people that were critical to the war effort beyond just Winston Churchill, who was prime minister at the time. So we'll get to that a little bit later. It was released um, as the B-side to Victoria two months later on December 12th, 1969. Um, And then the 2019 remaster of this album has a a great remaster of this song, which I think is the best it's ever sounded. So this is one of those tunes I've always liked. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be able to talk about this for a, a, a lot. But there's not a ton to talk about here. It's a straight-ahead um, song for the most part, except that it's basically two songs. And, you know, people give a lot of credit, rightfully. I'm not diminishing this. But they give a lot of credit to um, Lennon and McCartney for being able to fuse two totally different songs into one piece like baby you're a rich man is two different songs i've got a feeling is two different songs um a day in the life is two different songs but on most occasions maybe a day in the life being the only um exception on most occasions their two different songs remained two different songs they were just played together musically ray on the other hand pretty frequently uh assembles what is essentially two different songs, but the subject matter remains consistent throughout. You know, um, this is not like you never give me your money where all of a sudden it jumps to another section that has nothing to do with the first verse or the third verse, right? It's, it's, it, this is a through thought, um, composition, even if it was, uh, two separate songs. So we've got the first minute and a half or so where he's doing the, well, Mr. Churchill says it's kind of a mid tempo. Almost he's, he's, he's like tiptoeing to the point of being vaudeville, but doesn't quite cross over. It's still, you know, straight ahead rock band kind of thing, but it does have kind of a two-step feel. And this is where we get a cast of characters name checked. Obviously, the first one, Mr. Churchill says, um, we all should know that from our history classes. Um, he was the prime minister at the time. But then he goes on to some other name checks that uh, uh, I would imagine most people outside of England don't know. 
But even within England, I don't know how how studied these people are in uh, British history. So the next one is Mr. Beaverbrook, where he says, we got to save our tin and all the garden gates and empty cans are going to make us win. So Beaverbrook was, uh, his name was William Maxwell Aitken, first Baron Beaverbrook, and he was a newspaper publisher. And um, Wikipedia actually called him a backstage politician. That sound familiar to anybody? I think we have one of those right now. Um, so he was, he had like a media empire and was very influential in politics, despite not being uh, an elected politician himself. But during World War II, he actually served as Churchill's minister of aircraft production and was instrumental in getting the materials needed to build the aircraft. So that's where that line, you know, we got to save our tin, that's going to make us win. That was, you know, something he was going around, making sure that the, the, the government had enough material to build more aircraft so that they could win the war. Um, and then we go down. We shall defend our island on the land and on the sea. We shall fight them on the beaches, on the hills and in the fields. We shall fight them in the streets. Um, so it's more, you know, speech stuff. And then we get back to Mr. Montgomery says and Mr. Montbatten says, and both of those guys, Montgomery, Bernard Montgomery was an army officer. Louis uh, Montbatten was a Navy officer and he was the Supreme Allied Commander Southeast Asia Command during World War II. So these guys were very prominent um, commanders in their respective divisions of the military service. And what do they say? We got to fight the bloody battle till the very end. Okay. And then we get kind of a, a strange one. We get Vera Lynn, who was a singer and a songwriter. Who uh, is still around. She's 102 years old. She's still around as of this taping. But um, her big... Uh, uh, She's she's known as being the force's sweetheart. So she was doing um, concerts for the troops during the war. Um, and she's her songs were We'll Meet Again, The White Cliffs of Dover, A Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square, and They'll Always Be in England. And of course, um, in Mr. Churchill says, as Vera Lynn would say, we'll meet again someday. So he's actually quoting her song in that one. Then we get to about a minute 40 and we hear the air raid siren, which is one of the most uh, effective and cool uses of a sound effect on any recording. It was a perfectly utilized for this one because it signals the transition into this new, more um, up-tempo, more rock uh, section of the song. And then that kind of groove stays for the whole thing. So um, this song has some mixed reviews. I think the mixed reviews are ridiculous. It's a good song. It's a solid song. Maybe it goes on a little too long, but that would be my only criticism is that maybe you could shave 20 seconds off of it, but it's a good song. There are some weird things though on it and some things that you might not have noticed until the stereo mix. So if you just listen to the mono mix, Sounds like Mick Avery is doing some very busy drum work, but it's it's mixed in a way that you don't notice that there's actually a second drum overdub. 
on the stereo, you've got his whole drum set on the right channel and um, a snare drum in the left channel. And it's not the same snare drum that he's playing on the drum set. He's overdubbed drums. And for the most part, it is just a regular snare drum. Towards the end, um, he either takes the snares off or goes to his high-pitched tom. I can't tell exactly which. But at one point, he's doing some kind of like military rolls and cadences. And then um, on the rock section, he's just doing a backbeat and really solidifying that backbeat. Now, what Mick Avery is doing on the drum set in your right channel is really cool. He's doing a lot of tom work. He's doing his... He's riding the uh, the bell of the hi-hat and doing kind of like this quasi-Latin thing, um, a lot like what Ringo was doing in I Feel Fine, where you've got that ding-ding, dig-a-ding-ding, dig-a-ding-a-ding, right on the bell of that um, uh, ride cymbal. Did I, I think I might have called it a hi-hat a second ago. It's the ride cymbal, the bell of the ride cymbal. And then he's working with the right between the snare and the tom drums. It's very cool stuff. And then you add that extra drum on top of it, and it really adds to the um, the intensity of that that backbeat that we've got going through the whole song. That said, there's some weird moments um, in the drum overdub and in what I assume is Ray's rhythm guitar playing that that introduces this section where this the music is clipping like crazy. And you really hear it towards the end. Um, I mean, you hear it when the when the rhythm guitar is naked at one forty, just playing that dun 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 that little riff. Um, but in the drums, you hear a lot during the end when he's getting a little bit more busy on the overdrum, overdubbed drum part, and it sounds like it's being over. He's overdriving the. Uh, the soundboard because it's clipping and the guitar is clipping. This drum is clipping. I don't know if that was intentional or not. They might've done it because they liked the distortion. Um, who knows? But I also know they weren't, they weren't recording in Abbey road at the time. Their studios were not the most high tech, um, studios at the time, which sucks because they were making, these great albums that would have been, I think they would have sounded even better had they been recorded with better technology and in better rooms and stuff. But that's for another podcast. So you can listen for that. It is, it is, uh, it is clipping quite a bit in this song. That's about it. There's not a lot to say. There's some good guitar work by Dave. The lead guitar um, during the fast section is pretty cool. His little fills between the lines um, in the first section pretty much make that section for me. And it's a solid, solid song. I mean, it's off Arthur. What song on Arthur isn't great? It's a great album. So that's Mr. Churchill. Says. So uh, this is one of them that I, I was saying, I thought I could talk forever about it, but it's just one that's like, yeah, I like it. There's not a lot um, particularly musically to talk about it's a pretty simple chord structures and this the 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 song itself the two sections are very simple and would be boring without the other because there are no real choruses or anything so you've got you know in the opening part kind of an extended verse but it doesn't really go anywhere so it really needs that that break into the second section to make this thing work. And then the second section doesn't work on its own as is. I mean, he could have written 
a chorus or whatever. Oh, and the cool thing about that too is even though it is totally uh, different than the um, the first section, he does quote himself with the, when Mr. Churchill says, right? He, he, he includes the, like I said, the subject matter of the first section in the second section, even though it's totally different. So this is a good one to listen to. Uh, it is on the playlist on Spotify. If you um, have been listening, you know that uh, you can go to herohabit.com under the podcast tab. Um, you will be directed to the Kinks and Beats page where you can follow our Spotify playlist. It's got all the songs we talked about this week. And then every Monday I update that. So you can actually subscribe to that or follow it or whatever and listen to the tunes before the podcast is released. So they're fresh in your head. All right. Um, give me a call 925-494-1739 or email me kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on the music of these two incredible bands. Whether it's a song we've already talked about that you would like to expand on something I said or correct me or a song we haven't covered yet, um, we're going to get to them all. So I, I will save those letters and voicemails for the appropriate songs. All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow with a uh, Paul McCartney tune that I don't really know all that well. All right. Have a great day, guys. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.